This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick uh, here today to discuss a much anticipated topic, the final 53-man roster. So you're going to wait uh, an extra half day or so for the offense and defensive shows this week. Uh, but here joining me for the final 53, as we see it, is Jordan Coe of Ravens Situation Room. Jordan, how you doing? Good, Ken. Thanks for having me on. This is, you know, this is one of the more exciting 53s, I think, than we've had in a while in that I mean, there's all like it's fun when there are a couple spots that need to go like there are like five or six guys vying for like that 53rd spot. and None of them are really kind of like really worthy. But like this, I think this one's exciting because we've got a really interesting caliber player at almost every single spot that's coming in. Yeah, it's definitely competition at probably three different positions at a minimum. Some people would say more than that, but three different positions at a minimum, including a fantastic battle on the defense. We're going to get to some questions on the offense about who should be kept and who should be cut. And we're going to get to all of that. And let's start with the easiest position of all, or actually, I'm not even sure that's true. And start at quarterback, where uh, I have two on my final roster, uh, Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. Uh, how are you doing? You- yeah, I think it's got to be those two. But I, I mean, going back to our last conversation after preseason week two, where I kind of, I was more sour on Anthony Brown than you were. Mm-hmm. Um he, I, I was impressed. You know, his ability to look down the field, make make those deep throws, his decisive, decisiveness was impressive. Um, 
you know, I, I hope the Ravens can get him onto the practice squad because that, that that is an interesting dynamic that it gives the Ravens if all three of those guys can kind of stay in-house and how they might protect him down through a few weeks is, is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, it could be that having Huntley available would be a trade option not now, but would have some value later as injuries start to happen. Uh, it may even be that, well, you can't trade Brown if he's on your practice squad because somebody will just take him. But uh, you, uh, uh, you know, you, you've, you've got some options here right now. And, you know, the value of Brown, as we've talked about pre- on previous shows, is this two-year reset of value. And uh, that's awfully significant. I think, you know, when we've looked at who's been the more effective passer, it's incredible. Huntley's, what, 31 out of 36, I believe, throwing the football this preseason with a terrific rating. And I'd be hard-pressed to say he's been more efficient than Brown. Brown's been outrageously good. Um, their, their passer ratings are probably similar, uh, both near the top of guys who've had any kind of uh, qualifying, whatever that means, number of preseason attempts, however you might choose to define that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very hard-pressed to choose between these two, so I don't think it's an obvious choice for Huntley as the number two. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's something that you have to do, but, you know, it's just, as you pointed out, just an interesting thing at quarterback when it seemed like going into this preseason, we were locked in. We knew mm-hmm. we were going to get a quarterback. It was going to be Lamar. It was going to be Huntley. They weren't going to carry three guys, and that was just going to be that. <laughs> you know, that's the other point. Is there any way the Ravens can carry a third quarterback to, to protect Brown? Yeah, not yet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not 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 going into week one. And I think I think the luxury of most rosters are that everybody is a little squeezed at this stage, and that I don't think anyone's going to take a chance on Brown. And so maybe early through the first four weeks, like that's when you use these Anthony Brown, like you put him on your protection list on the practice squad, so he can't get scooped up early. Oh, he. I, I, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt there, but you, the protection doesn't actually protect him from a Tuesday pickup. There's is only for he's, he's he's unprotected for one day, so it doesn't really protect you in that in the manner you're describing. Protects you from being burned later in the week. Well, then even even during those stages, <laughs> mm-hmm. protecting, I, I think the Ravens will protect him. Like if they if they get him on the practice squad and they, there are you know concerns about their ability early, I think that you do that. And then if you have to move him up, you know, at least it's an option. Yeah. And, you know, you make an interesting point because there might be a case where, um, you know, they they have Brown uh, protected for the week. And an injury occurs Wednesday somewhere else in the, in the National Football League. And the Ravens say, well, hold on. That's our cue. <laughs> Brown's coming up and Huntley, we're, we're, we're waving now. Um, it would be an interesting dynamic to see that happen. Or they just get real active in trying to trade Huntley at that point. Yeah, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. Offensive line. Let's move on there. And this is a very deep group, fortunately, because, uh, well, it's a, it's a large group. Let's put it that way. Uh, I have 10 guys making it. Uh, so, and and uh, I think I probably would have the same 10 as you have. How many do you have making it, first of all? It's the same, it's the same 10. It's, okay. it's really that question of whether or not one of those guards is mm-hmm. on this team. Okay, so so uh, my 10, if, we'll, if, if it's the same as yours, we'll see. But Ben Cleveland, alphabetically, Daniel Falalele, Juwan James, Tyler Linderbaum, Patrick McCary, Morgan Moses, Tyree Phillips, Ben Powers, Ronnie Stanley, Kevin Zeitler. Same 10. Okay, so you're you're cutting Tristan Cologne, 
We kind of talked about this a little bit, but waning option value in that third year is a part of that. He's He didn't play badly in the last game. I didn't think I did not score him directly in this game. Um, I do think he'll be claimed by another team once he goes through the waiver process. Interesting. Um, I, I think I I don't know that I. I kind of assume that that he'll make his way to the practice squad. I don't think that he's he's quite at that starting caliber level um, for another team. But but I guess there's a chance that somebody would pick him up. I think you know it's always interesting at this stage because everyone's always worried about whoever you know whoever. It doesn't matter what team you root for. There, everyone's always worried about their guys going to get cut and get claimed by somebody else. But there are a lot of guys that get cut, and there aren't that many roster spots for them to be able to come in and fill in. So yeah. um, I'm I, I, I hopefully he doesn't, but. You know, it's big. What's really interesting about the whole thing is that when you have, and, and what it was Zeitler that called, uh, who was it that called Makari a, a unicorn earlier this week? I think that was Zeitler. Um, you know, when you've got a guy like Makari who gives you so many options in terms of what he gives you on your depth of your offensive line, it's fascinating that the Ravens will go into this year carrying 10 offensive linemen, even though they've got that one guy that can cover them at more spots than they've probably ever had a guy that's been capable of doing that. Right. Well, they're carrying four pure tackles um, before you even consider McCary, who, you know, he's ideally he'll be kept on the inside somewhere wherever he plays. But the, but they're carrying four pure tackles. And and the question of whether or not Jawan James is good enough to make this team, um, I think, has been answered by the fact that we're still unsure about Ronnie Stanley. And so they don't it doesn't seem like they trust anybody else to go over there. We don't really know if they would put Morgan Moses over there. Uh, in real time. There's, there's one other guy. Well, there's two other guys I really want to talk about. The first is Ben Powers, because Ben Powers could still be traded before the season begins. And it's weird because we've gotten all the signals that Ben Powers is going to be the starting left guard in the opener, except for Ben, ben Powers actually playing left guard. So he played right guard. He's played snaps at center as well. Terrible snap at center. Hopefully, you know, he doesn't end up there again. But uh, but uh, at, at right guard, uh, he played, what, a series, I believe, each game. So he hasn't played very much there. Uh, at left guard, I, I, I assume he's getting most of the practice reps. I don't know. Obviously, no one is there now to watch that uh, happen. But, uh, you know, you have two other guys who are competing for that left guard spot. And the first is Tyree Phillips, who's played a ton this preseason. But I would say the fact that he played the entire last preseason game is a pretty damn strong indication the Ravens are going to not start him against the Jets. Yeah, I, I, it seems blatant. It seems very, at least if you are reading the tea leaves, that it is power spot. Um, but simultaneously, it is really just bizarre that mm-hmm. that for a guy that is going to play, like, it'd be one thing if you were like, oh, well, like, you know, like Morgan Moses just hasn't played at all. Right. But it would be odd if like Morgan Moses, if Morgan Moses came in and played and played like right guard or played left guard or like yeah. for a couple of right? Like yeah. that would be peculiar. And that's what's happening with powers. And, uh, you know, that I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't yeah. I don't think we're going to know. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's definitely weird. And, uh, uh, you know, the other the other thing that's going on with this at the same time is Ben Cleveland had an unfortunate injury after being the Ravens most effective lineman for two games. So he has been physical as hell. I mean, I understand all the problems that one of the things that that um, has been brought up is that is that his roster weight is now listed at three hundred and seventy pounds. So he was three fifty six 
some some were claiming when he got drafted. I believe that might have been his combine weight. He came down to 343 and some other measurement. Might have been a pro day measurement. Might have been his initial weigh-in with the Ravens. I'm not sure which it was. But then, uh, you know, had the offseason, got married, failed the conditioning test, and now he's at 370 on the roster. And that might have been part of why the Ravens are unhappy. So it's not just a conditioning test failure. It's general failed conditioning. And, uh, you know, it's that's a, that could be a thing. But then I, I, I watch him play. Uh, at guard these first two games and he's played a combination of right guard and left guard and he's been one tough son of a bitch he's been moving people over all over the field he's been issuing lots of pancakes he's the best finisher the Ravens have in terms of wanting to inflict punishment on his opponent yeah well and it's one of those instances where this he's going to get a chance to play guard at some point if he's the first guard off the off the bench he's going to get a, an opportunity to play at some point um, down the road here and so we'll find out when that happens you know whether or not he's able to continue that level of play that we've seen and win that spot but i think that i think he'll you know just by nature of the way the nfl is he's going to have an opportunity here or there in, in the process yeah i mean we, we we certainly hope that's the case it just just as a technical note here i turned off my camera because i, I noticed a, a a problem occurring um i, I think that uh uh it, it, Cleveland should get a very quick opportunity this year. It does not appear like Phillips is the number two guy to me right now. Uh, now, part of that's the injury that may have kept Phillips on the field. The fact that they they cut a guy, uh, Jared Jones-Smith, perhaps prematurely, but I think they were also very unhappy with how inj- Cleveland's injury occurred because Jared Jones-Smith actually blocked the guy into his legs. And uh, we may see something related to... Um, Say uh, Kayvon Seymour's injury that's similar with McLean. I still think he ends on the practice squad, but I think they're very unhappy about what happened. I know McLean was very distraught with the play itself. Not to get too far away from our offensive line discussion, but you know, the, the I think we've got a couple things going on with Cologne and Powers. That if there is a trade, Cologne's can still make the team that way. The other thing that I would, you know, ask to discuss here is that I was really high on Khalil McKenzie throughout camp. I don't think he quite distinguished himself enough at the end of these last games. And there's two issues that I had. Number one is that I don't think he blocked that well in the finale. Okay, particularly as a run blocker. Ravens, you know, obviously did not look good against the run this last game. But the other one is that he didn't play any defensive line, including a game we just played where they needed anyone, anyone to come in at defensive line. Yeah, I, you, you know, I, I think Cologne is already ahead of him, like you indicated, that if the Ravens did want to keep that depth around, it didn't want to let him go. I think I think that's that's kind of a knock. And then the Ravens are really relatively deep at defensive line as well. So, so um, you know, and, and I agree with you, obviously, you know, both his effectiveness and the entire running offense's effectiveness against the commanders was uh, not very inspiring, but it leaves you in one of those scenarios where it, it just uh, like his pathway. So he, ne- he needed to be winning or, or showcasing himself on that def- defensive line spot if he really wanted serious consideration for the roster. And I think that just it leaves him as the short man out. I don't I think he could be certainly a guy that's going to make his way to the practice squad. And that, and he keeps that kind of interesting dynamic. If the Ravens do run afoul of kind of needing extra depth, either at offensive or defensive line. And, and in that sense, he's an intriguing guy to have around. Yeah, and and maybe he's even pre, from the Ravens' perspective protected himself a little more with with play in the last game that wasn't that great, run blocking the previous game that wasn't that great. Although he had a decent pass blocking game, 
maybe he's maybe he's more likely to stick there. Maybe they can defer the option, defer the choice. Ben Powers could even get traded in season. That's a possibility. Um, and and you might he might be an ideal uh, you know guy to call up at that point. He can also be a guy who gets activated for up to two games off the practice squad when you want to activate only four defensive linemen. And then you say, okay, but but McKenzie will be our eighth offensive lineman in this case, and and provide that. I I just we saw what happened with Raleigh Webb playing the last two snaps of the game against the Commanders, and my initial thought is they only had thirty seven total offensive snaps, thirty seven, which is the fewest I've ever seen. Even the Ravens have never held anybody to that few, um, and and that they obviously did not tax McKenzie despite the fact that he played the full game. I wonder if that's the kind of position where if you're McKenzie and maybe if you're Harbaugh, uh, you know, you want him, you can't go to Roman because he's up in the box. So you, you can't, you can't really ask permission from your offensive coordinator, but you should go to McDonald and say, Hey, if you're short of defensive alignment, I can go in now kind of thing. And I think that would be very positively received. And, and I'm guessing Webb might've offered that at some point, on the defense. I'd love to understand exactly how that evolved. Yeah. Th- those are, those are kind of some of the fascinating nuances of, of what, what are happening behind the scenes. And um, it was, it was certainly interesting to see, to see Webb in there, but you know, you, you want the guys that are hungry to do whatever they can to win their spot. Right. Um, yeah. And so um, it does make you wonder whether McKenzie didn't ask or whether the Ravens are, you know, maybe the Ravens are, you know, and we've seen this right with teams where they don't, you know, guys won't play historically and we're seeing it more and more now because of injuries and preseasons, but guys, you know, have not, played because teams are trying to hide them because they don't want the extra attention on those players as well that could be and obviously the the whole uh tagging of mckenzie being a large portion of his value is something that the that the ravens have been uh very uh excited about and and keeping under wraps might make a lot of sense why don't we move on to tight end here i think we've, we've got the offensive line pretty well knocked out the tight end i have four guys making the roster uh you have four as well yeah, I think it's probably the same four guys. You go ahead this time, then. So um, we've got Andrews, obviously, as tight end one, um, likely in Boyle splitting those reps. And then I think it's Kolar as the as the fourth guy before the Ravens make a decision about kind of how quickly he comes back and whether he needs to go to IR. Yeah, uh, yeah and I think he's, uh, yeah. you know, looking up things about how long it takes to recover from a sports hearing, it's a fairly significant time frame. I'm, I'm afraid we're going to lose Kolar for half the season here. And, you know, that's just the likelihood here. But I'm, I'm 95% sure he'll end up going to IR after the roster is done. So um, they've got a, a few different options in terms of how they do it. First of all, they have to use a handshake agreement from somewhere else on the team to get this fourth tight end on the roster. I think the guy who makes sense and obviously – you know, you're spending currency out of a pile in a sense because you can cut guys from offense or defense and then bring them back on either side of the ball too. But the guy on offense that kind of makes sense is Mike Davis to me in terms of a, of a pretty easy cut. Yeah, it, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. I mean, Mike Davis seems like the, the obvious one, you know, and it doesn't, at least right now, it doesn't seem like there are, and I, I don't know that I've been keeping a really close eye on it. There are a number of potential running back jobs. We haven't heard about a ton of running back injuries kind of through the preseason this year. So it doesn't seem like there would be an opportunity. I just think it's interesting in the sense that if there was somewhere that had a season long type opportunity, whether Mike Davis would look at that and say, hey, maybe like, you know, like I love the Ravens and it's been great being here, but 
you know, I just came in for my first year. I have a shot at, you know, legitimately having more long-term playing time for the whole duration of the season with team X. Right. Um, and so even though I'm going to, uh, you know, agree in principle, right. The Ravens had two handshake deals with Zedaria Smith mm-hmm. um, and neither of those came through. And so for a guy like Mike Davis, who has no ties back to the Ravens, um, if there's an opportunity for him to play, I think, I think through the first four, four to six games of the year, we're going to see a lot of Mike Davis and he's going to be a big part of this offense. But I think by the time we look at the last four to six games of this year, it's very possible that Mike Davis is not active or not even on this team anymore. Uh, or at least not used if they have, right. uh, you know, he, he might, Hey, I actually, there's no reason to activate the guy. There's no reason to probably even have him around once the, the other two are back. Cause you're going to have Tyler Beatty. You're going to want to keep him and Patrick Ricard. And then you might want to keep justice Hill. So we'd have to, we'd have to be having that discussion, but Davis to, to me, and we may as well discuss this now, even though we're technically on the tight ends, but, um, the Ravens would have to be completely enamored with his ability to handle the mesh point. You notice McCrary had a fumble. McCrary and Brown had a fumble off the mesh point in this last game. So it's not a problem that's going away. But if Mike Davis is a an ideal mesh point handler who knows exactly how to set up the box, release the ball, let the quarterback come out hard, whatever you want to call it, we haven't really seen that at all in this preseason. couple plays, that's it. One that got fumbled and another that they never got the handoff off because the snap was offline. So it really have barely seen it this whole preseason. I, if they're not absolutely think he is head and shoulders above everything else in terms of the mesh point, there's nothing about his yards per touch career as a runner or a passer that is at all exciting. So I, I'm, uh, I, I, I basically would say we're going to cut Mike Davis. Eh, well, we'll take our chances. We'll see what happens because there's a whole lot of other fish in the sea among those R and one cuts from other teams that we could be excited about as a stylistic fit. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. And, and I, I only mean to bring that point up in the sense that, you know, and I think, you know, we haven't gotten there either. But I think the same thing could be true of a guy like Tony Jefferson that yes, these handshake deals make a lot of sense and they could have them in principle. But if opportunities arise for some of these guys, you know, I don't think that Ravens fans should automatically assume that they are, they will be a lock to come back. Um, even, even with that handshake. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep, let's keep rolling on and talk about the wide receiver group. Actually a little bit of competition here, a lot of excitement in the last game, maybe about a, a difference maker at the position, but I have five wide receivers on my list. I think I've got the same five as as you do as well. Don't don't tell me you pumpkinized every single one of those UDFAs the same way I did. <laughs> I, I think I think they're going to have to. Okay. <laughs> the Giants are probably going to claim them all. <laughs> yeah. So Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, Demarcus Robinson, James Prochet, and Tylen Wallace all make the team. Uh, all those UDFAs and, and you know you feel bad for these camp darlings. Fortunately, we had a legitimate camp darling this year in Isaiah Likely, who you know is is the real deal. And Demarcus Robinson comes in, and for the first time, well, pretty much ever, the Ravens have gotten a veteran wide receiver who actually seems to be a difference maker in terms of being someone who could take the top off a of defense. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's you know, it's hard to evaluate what we saw from Robinson in that game because I, I don't know enough about the Commanders roster and and which of those guys were you know where they are in the depth chart and the quality that they were. But you saw some real veteran savvy. Robinson used kind of 
his veteran savvy to be effective um, in those moments. And so he was more open than he's ever going to be, I think, most likely, unless there are busted coverages, um, you know, in a pro game. But it's good to see that those kind of moves. I mean, that's those are the things the things the things that we saw from Robinson in this game are the things that we wish we had been seeing from Devin Duvernay, I think, all along, mm-hmm. um, which is his ability to, you know, get those separations to full defenders into getting them leaning the wrong way and then taking using, you know, his top end speed to take advantage of that. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see that from him, um, you know, and, and I think the big question to me is more about who is active of these wide receivers on game day and how that ultimately is going to cascade down special teams, um, you know, for the whole balance of the team. And I think, you know, running back kind of feeds into that a little bit as well. Right. We have Tylen Wallace, obviously, as the last guy on this roster. And I think you'd, you'd probably say that the other four are more necessary on a week to week basis for the combination of gadget plays and actual receiving usage. Plus, Devin Duran is a returner, not just a gadget guy. So you, you want him for that. Tylen Wallace is an important special teams player. So it could be that they really all have to be active week over week. And that means that might mean a linebacker or somebody else is inactive because of that or a uh uh, maybe a running back or offensive lineman, you're always going to have the same number of guys. So it's really, it really comes down to whether or not maybe you have an extra offensive player in, in, in some weeks, I guess. Uh, Tylen Wallace, um, I don't know the severity of his injury. I know he did start practicing again, but uh, it, he may be a candidate to start the season on IR that would cause another handshake deal to have to be made. And we're getting short on, players who that can be done for yeah you know it's i don't think it doesn't seem like we're going to get a situation where wallace is going to go to the ir i think they probably don't if that was the plan they probably don't bring him back to practice last last mm-hmm. week unless there's been some kind of injury development beyond that and and you know wallace is an interesting guy in the sense that you know remembering back to last season towards the end of the year he was a guy that was getting snaps um he plays a lot of special teams so the ravens obviously value him in you know, multiple ways in terms of what he brings to the offense. So, um, you know, I, I do think that his position in terms of short term on the initial 53 and then where he ends up going is is a kind of interesting one as we we watch this kind of unfold. All right. So I, uh, of the UDFAs that are getting cut, which ones do you think make it through to the practice squad? And and you can use whatever basis you want, whether they're going to be claimed or they're they're I don't first of all, I don't think any of them will be claimed, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. I, it was very it was very surprising, even though, you know, even even though we're early in the preseason and, and their their game to get cut again, it was interesting to see the two wide receivers that had already been cut claimed by the Giants. Uh, but I don't think any of them will be claimed. And I think that I, I mean, you know, I haven't looked at exactly how the practice squad will shake out. I would have no problem with both Bridges and Polk being on the practice squad. I thought both of them were effective in different ways. I actually of the two of them, and I know I know Bridges got all the hype because he had the big catches mm-hmm. in the first preseason game. Makai Polk, I like better of the two of them. I think that if he can put some weight on and get a little bit stronger, um, he looks to have that kind of like quickness and and I don't know, just have a little bit of Hollywood Brown in him. There were a couple times where there were snaps where I saw him play, and I I legitimately thought that he was Hollywood Brown. I, I look at those two, and I would say Polk and Victor are my two guys. I, I While I like what Bridges did this camp, I liked him going up for the football. I don't like his separation ability. I think Victor is close in terms of going up for the football and obviously is tall uh, also, you know, a guy who can uh, uh, make a play for you. 
But the, the, the primary reason for Polk is age. He's 21. The other guys are all 24, 25 years old. So I don't see any of them as being, um, you know, viable, really, options. And as much as we'd like to pretend that Raleigh Webb somehow now has some sort of uh, two-way position value, I, I think he's probably a cut. Not impossible that any of them ends on IR. I think the Ravens will, will basically uh, give, an, give an offer to anybody who doesn't get an offer from somebody else, who doesn't get claimed, sorry. Yeah, I think I, I think that makes sense. And, and, you know, Raleigh Webb is interesting in the sense that he did have a couple, you know, he, he kept showing up on the stat sheet, you know, um, and I, I, I don't know that I watched his routes closely enough to know about separation, et cetera. But certainly, certainly an interesting guy that could, you know, depending on and again, like I said, I don't I, I haven't thought really about the practice squad and the full iterations of what those spots end up looking like. But he I think he's an interesting guy. All right, so we've so so far we are twenty one for twenty one in agreement at this point. Let's move on to running back and fullback. I have four guys making the team. It's the only possibility I think potentially of disagreement, but I think we might have answered this already. I have Patrick Ricard making the team, and then three running backs: Tyler Beatty, J.K. Dobbins, and Justice Hill. Right, with Mike Davis being Mike Davis, really uh, yeah, uh, a handshake and likely return. Yeah, I, I think I think we would agree there. Okay, so they have some midseason replacements coming up. They have Nate McCrary if they need a stylistic speed fit. If something probably were to happen to Hill, maybe to Beatty, they could they could turn to McCrary. Uh, ben Mason is obviously a nice backup for a card. You'd want both those two on the practice squad. But I think this is another position where the Ravens will look at the R slash one cuts around the league. Actually, I guess we already talked about this one and really find their guy. And, and they may well have some power back in particular, I think, uh, that they really like that somebody else cuts. Well, you know, when I think about the running back position here, Ken, I think what's most interesting about it was what you were talking about earlier, which is that we have seen absolutely nothing from this Ravens offense mm-hmm. in terms of what they want to try and do and what their approach is going to be when it comes to running game. And and that's great. Like, I, that's how I would like yep. to see it. Right. Um, but you add JK Dobbins being coming back from his injury. Like how much are we going to see of him? Like, is he even going to play in week one? Is he, you, you know, would he be effective, you know, when he gets back in at all, you know, kind of et cetera. Right. The, the offensive line blocking was just an absolute disaster in the commander's game. So there was just, there was just nothing to, I think, evaluate from the running back position. Um, but you were, but as you pointed out, we haven't seen the mesh points. We haven't seen some of the option stuff. We haven't seen Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously Lamar <laughs> Jackson, um, you know, we did see some under center reps. So, you know, maybe there's an evolution in that regard a little bit, but um, you know, I, it'll be, it, it's going to be, the running game is going to be one that I don't have any concerns but it's certainly going to be interesting to watch for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, if the funny thing is this has been a pretty bad running offense for the entire preseason and a terrible running offense against the Commanders when there's, you know, their their backups should be just as bad as the Ravens' backups on the offensive line for that final game. And, you know, Linderbaum was out there and Phillips was out there playing the whole game. So you got a couple players who are, you know, in theory, starting quality NFL players playing some significant time for the Ravens. Uh, you also had Cologne out there for a long time. He's, you might be acclaimed guy. So, you know, you, you had a fair amount of talent and they couldn't start anything. They couldn't get anything going. But uh, I would still bet, even after all that, that the Ravens are probably more likely than not to have the highest rushing yardage in the entire NFL, which is largely going to be a factor of Lamar, obviously, but also how how effective the Ravens are at getting leads and wanting to keep the lead with the run. 
yeah, I, I think that's going to be, I think that's absolutely true. It'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how that develops and what they do with it. I mean, we did see one of the short third down runs where in, I think the first preseason game, the Ravens broke out a counter bash. Um, so it's still, you know, the tricks are still all in the bag. The Ravens are going to do all those same things. It'll be fun to see some of these running backs and kind of what ends up happening with them, especially because we saw some explosiveness from Hill early on. I think Beatty kind of one cut ability was super clear from the second preseason game. So there's some, there's some things there that could, you know, could get interesting. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to move to the defense then, since we are a hundred percent in agreement so far and we're, yeah, we're in agreement so. on the three specialists, right? Are you, uh, I, I, uh, I think Justin Tucker is going to make the roster. Yeah, I think Justin, and I, I I'm, I'm betting on Jordan Stout making the roster and I, I'm, I'm betting they need a long snapper despite Justin, uh, uh, Stout's uh, versatility here. And, <laughs> and, uh, we'll go there as well. But, uh, but if we go over to the defensive side, by the way, any do you think there's any chance after the Ariza? Because it would be the greatest coup of all time after Ariza's cut yesterday. Uh, is is there a chance that Dicker ends up getting traded to Buffalo for anything? Because it <laughs> yeah, would be I, hilarious I, if true. I think I read that they already waived him. They waived Dicker already. Yeah, they waived Dicker. Already. Okay. Uh, uh, but, but if they didn't, then absolutely would be would be the biggest coup, especially because, you know, Ariza had so much hype coming into the mm-hmm. coming into the draft as being the, you know, the premium punter. And then the Ravens went in a different direction um, when they took Stout. OK, did you catch any other have any other early cuts been made like Dicker? I did not hear the, the Dicker I, one. You know what? I just I think I saw that um, skimming through Twitter earlier today. All right. It was well, just Dicker. Hopefully by the time this comes out, this is not completely dated information, but let's go ahead with the, with the defensive line now. Um, this is a, a you know, very deep position, but I have only five guys making the roster and probably only five there in week one, which seems a little short. But I have Calais Campbell, Travis Jones, Justin Matabike, Michael Pierce, and Broderick Washington making this team. Uh, but I do think Brent Urban is a very clear handshake day returning to week one. By the way, Brent Urban has had a freaking great preseason. He has looked good every game in very limited snaps. Yeah, I, so I agree with you um, in terms of who the guys are going to be. I think our, our rosters, <laughs> the initial 53 doesn't have a ton of uh, potential excitement, I think, on it. Um, but Urban, I think, is interesting because he has played really well in this preseason. But I also think that from a defensive line standpoint, like he may, like he might not make his way back in the sense that they don't need another guy playing his position on the defensive line. I mean, you've already, you've basically got Campbell and Washington um, and Matabike ahead of him. And it's, you know, I question whether, like, I, I don't think Urban would be active to begin with. And so if you can use that spot in another way, is he the guy that you're bringing back? And maybe he's played his way into that spot, as you've indicated. Um, and that's moot, you know, but I, he was kind of the guy I red flagged going into the preseason as saying, if there's a spot where it feels like they might not need some, somebody to come back, it felt like he might be the one. There's two things in the preseason that would tell me otherwise. And so I'll take the other side of that is that, first of all, Urban's been out after three drives each game with very limited usage. Second of all, Broderick Washington has played on. And then I think about who Broderick Washington and Urban are, and they're both 3-5 technique alternates. You know, they're guys who can play either. Some people would tell you Broderick Washington can play the nose. He's not really a two-gapper. But, you know, Broderick Washington hopefully, you know, would help you penetrate from the three or the five, play the run well. I just think Urban is better. 
And, you know, he's older, certainly. And Broderick Washington, a year three player, was a guy I had flagged initially as being his his roster spot is not 100% secure. Now, I think the injury to Travis Jones cleared up any possibility that Broderick Washington would be cut and moved the guy in the bubble to be a very interesting guy, Isaiah Mack. And he's right there with several other players for me. Brent Urban, I don't think there's any there's any doubt he'll be back for week one. I think I think he'll actually play quite a bit for the Ravens. With with Mack, um, he's a year four player, so one year more than than Washington. He's been the Ravens' defensive MVP this preseason, in my opinion. Uh, he's done an incredible amount. Every game he's in there making multiple plays, making our list of of uh, star quality. Um, but I just don't see a way they can keep him with the other talent they have on the defensive side of the roster. Yeah, I, I tend to. I, I mean, I agree with that. I think that you're understating Washington's play. I think he's mm-hmm. been somewhat been effective and he's flashed in pro games as well. I think that it's more a matter of reps um, for him and and development that he's been playing than I think potentially protection of urban, um, I, you know, but like I, I agree with you that urban has played very well when we have seen him. Um so far in the preseason so and mac has been you know mac is he's the interesting guy especially with jones injury i think that i think mac probably does find his way into that second iteration of who is on the ravens roster in week one um hmm. if travis jones does end up going to the ir okay so you would you would bring him back before you would bring back urban and somehow okay that's interesting well, that I is that's interesting spot, i think that's the spot where the ravens are going to need more they're going to need more depth, right? Because it's only like base, essentially if Jones isn't playing, Pierce is is really your only true interior guy. Yeah, and you're going to need enough. They're they're the way unless the Ravens significantly change the way that they've approached defense, they're going to want a second guy there. I I agree. I just don't think Mac is a prototype nose. He's really more like a penetrating three tech than a than a true two gapping one tech. Either either place where you put him, one or three. His ideal thing is to penetrate and beat people on pass rushes. In fact, he's used fairly situationally by the Ravens during the preseason to do a lot of that. Not not entirely, because in this last game, nobody was being used situationally in that second half. They were playing every single freaking snap. But Mac is, um, uh, you know, a player. I think under ideal circumstances, playing against you know higher level talent than he was against the the, the Commanders would not be in there. Certainly, would not be in there for every snaps. And the snaps he would tend to choose would be more of second and 10, third and eight kind of snaps if you, if you, uh, you know, you know had, wanted to pair him up with, say, Calais Campbell to, to rush the passer. I think that's an interesting combo, but um, I, I don't think he, you know, I, I don't, the, one of the problems I had, problem number one is that he's f- a fourth year player. So there's no option to out in the future, and yet he still has to go through waivers, and you know, that prevents you with this two edged sort of a problem. Uh, but the other one is I just don't think he he truly backs up Pierce. So the only guy who does that is Jones. And you just you have to figure out how you're going to get through until then. Crawford, the other guy who might have been able to do it, seems to have a groin injury now. And, and that's also not an option. Yeah, that was a that was an unfortunate development for Crawford as well, because I thought there were a few times that he flashed on tape as well um, and looked like a guy that that might be bringing something in terms of a contribution to, to what we were going to see. So, you know, it, it's, you know, and I don't know what position group that you wanted to talk about next, but I do think that um, defensive line 
without the depth at outside linebacker, defensive line gets in a peculiar focus on it for a group that, you know, at times the Ravens weren't playing, you know, the, the number of snaps per, you know, defensive linemen that they had out on the field, et cetera. You know, I wonder, you know, how much of that ends up getting shaped by who ends up making the roster or who is available to play at outside linebacker as well. Absolutely fantastic head-on point. And if you look back to the to the 2019-2020 Ravens, they, they got by with under 2.0 um, snaps per de- of de- defensive line per play per play. And what they were doing is that's basically the race car package getting them down to either one and sometimes zero defensive linemen on the field in some place. Because even in the nickel, you, you play two defensive linemen. When you, when you play uh, dime, you can still play two or you can play one or you can play even zero under under really extreme situations. If, if you've got really what amounts to a quarter defense on the field, um, I, 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 I think you're right exactly on the money that they will have to play more defensive linemen per pass rush snap. And Mac makes a lot of sense for that. Uh, Matabike could also make sense and, and, and Calais Campbell. So if they're trying to get him more pass rush snaps, then it would kind of make sense. Travis Jones could be a guy you keep on the field on third down. Um, so Ravens do have options in this regard, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think we'll see less of the extreme uh, outside linebacker packages just out of who's on the roster. And in, and also the practice squad, uh, the practice squad, uh, up upgrades not the right word promotions uh, elevation uh, yeah. short yeah the short-term practice squad promotions you know if a guy like mac is someone that you do think that you can get through to the practice squad and keep there and promote for a couple weeks while while they're waiting for travis jones to come back or whatever that looks like i do think that the travis jones to i how quickly like whether he goes to ir or not and how quickly they think that they can get him back for the season is going to be an interesting one as well yeah, so they might have to. If they said three to five weeks, so I, I plan on six to eight weeks being the amount of time until he comes back. I mean, seriously, I, I just you know, it's it's a it's a platform for for the negotiation, all of these things, and sometimes they want to tell you about how quick he'll be back, and they really mean until he first practices, and then it takes longer, you know, obviously to get back on the field. But I think you know he, he's going to miss a, a a third to half of the season based on on what's happened here, which is really a shame. Uh, but 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 when he when he does come back, hopefully he'll be he'll be at the level we saw in that preseason because he was a man among boys uh, in terms of what he did. I'm of all the players on the team that the Ravens could cut, and I, I mean I, there is one other guy that they could cut that have a better chance to be taken. But Isaiah Mack is probably the guy I think would would get taken even more than Cologne on the offense, and the other one on the defense if they chose to cut him would be Josh Ross. I don't think they will, but. Uh, Josh Ross would be a guy I think would be even more likely to be cut. Uh, so if if they don't decide to keep Mac, do you trade him? Yeah, you know, the trade market, it does seem like the trade market in the NFL is one that has heated up of, of in recent years um, where it seemed like th- this was the kind of thing that was never happening before and now is sometimes happening. So mm-hmm. I don't think that he's got a lot of trade value, though. Um, I, I wouldn't label it. If I had to guess if the Ravens were going to trade a player, he'd be, he would not be the one that I would pick. 
Yeah, if if you're trading a third-year offensive lineman like Cologne, you could potentially get a conditional sixth for that. Whereas if you trade a fourth-year player, it's almost always a conditional seventh. So I, I wouldn't. I, I would agree that I don't think there's a lot of value in either case. The question is just, do you actively try and trade him or you just take your chances? Because the, the, the draft pick is not worth that much in the seventh round. If that's all that's being offered, do you just take your, take your chances? And maybe you hope the other team that made a seventh round offer to you, or you get no offers, that might be the best situation. Um, but the team that makes a seventh round offer to you, they have three or four guys that they're looking at and offering a conditional seventh, and he's, he's their second favorite. You know, that's the interesting, you know, I, and I've always wondered this. And I think that, you know, until you work in an NFL front office, we'll never know. But like how much like how much gamemanship is going on amongst like this process. Right. So like, OK, we're the Ravens are actively trying to trade Ben Powers or, you know, Tyree Phillips or just pick somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. So like when we're calling about well, whoever that player is, are, are we also throwing in some of these other names and and. How much are you leaving guys out because you don't want to draw attention to them, right? Um, and saying, right? So, like, if Mac is an example, right? Like, if he's a guy that you want to sneak through to the practice squad, then you don't have that initial conversation about, you know, whether or not you would trade a conditional whatever round pick for him because you don't want other teams to kind of have a sense of where they think they might be and how much other teams are actively watching other teams rosters like are do the ravens have like a war room where they're looking yes. at the 53 of every single team and how deep does that list go for them i i've, I've actually been inside that room and and they, they had a, a sweet holder event one year and we we got to go in there and yes they do have a you know a, a pro player personnel department where they have a big board of every team's current roster in terms of 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 what's available there and I think the, if I were, if number, if memory room serves me at that time, and this would have been about 2010 that I would have been in it, they, they might have had little magnets for every single player that they were putting on a board and moving around. But it, it might have, it might have also just been written names at some point. They definitely, for the, with the draft pick room, which I've been in as well, they definitely had a magnet plaque for every player as they were getting selected and moving around. Well, then I guess there's very little gamemanship then if you assume that every and maybe not every NFL team does that. But if you assume that every NFL team does that, then the call is probably what guys would you be willing? (laughs) You know who we're going to be cutting. Who are you willing to trade a conditional draft pick for? Um, You know, and you don't even have to proffer names because you assume that everybody's uh, everybody's working from at least some similar baseline information. That's that's a that's a great way of saying it, too, is is that you. you just you don't offer any names at all. You just uh, you just tell them who do you want. All right. Well, let's uh, let's keep going because inside linebacker and defensive line, I think, is where the competition is for spots. In fact, I think it's the sixth defensive line along with the fourth and fifth inside linebackers are competing for two spots. So the question for me was Mac Ross and Welch, who were the guys who make it? But I had five inside linebackers on the team. I got Josh Bynes making it. There is a chance that they could they could do the handshake agreement with Josh Bynes. I don't think it's very likely because there's some money involved. So they 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 certainly could do it. They, I don't I think they'd get away with it in terms of of being able to do it. But but since there's some money involved, there might be an additional charge that would accrue from it. And I, I I'm trying to ask other salary cap experts what's the actual impact of that? When is it felt? Which might be important if it might push money into 2023. Uh, that could potentially have value, um, but more than likely, it's an extra charge that gets accrued for 2023, like a like a um, uh, NLTBE bonus, not likely to be earned. So, jo- Josh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say the other thing about Bynes is that if Bynes can go get 
$150,000 more from somewhere else, he's already shown that he's willing to do that, right? Two years ago, when the Ravens didn't bring Bynes back, it wasn't that he went out and signed a massive long-term or high-value deal when he went to Cincinnati. I think it was like a $1.17 million deal. So either the Ravens weren't willing to give him a, a, a roster spot at all or a small amount of money means something to Josh Bynes for a guy that has not played a ton in the NFL and doesn't have may not have the same kind of nest egg. I, I I think it's 100% on the Ravens not making an offer. If you look back to that, that what happened that year, I mean, first of all, they didn't sign. Bynes wasn't signed, I don't think, at all until after the draft because he's that kind of free agent that, that, that waits. And then on the draft, of course, they used a one and a three on Queen and uh, Harrison. So that didn't leave them with a lot of options there. They still had on the roster uh, LJ Fort at that point and Chris Board. And they probably said, Hey, we've got our starting four, even though we like Bynes. I think it would make a lot of sense to keep him. Don't know if they really said that. And then, you know, we just can't afford to do it. Um, I, I was I was very much in favor of them still keeping Bynes despite those draft picks because, he, you know, he just done so much for the 2019 Ravens. But, uh, but I'm glad they got him back. The only reason I would potentially disagree with that is that Bynes didn't get the veteran minimum. So if Bynes had gone, if he had just gotten the baseline amount of money, this is the only team that's willing to give him a starting spot and give him money. That's one thing, but it's clear, or at least free market would tell you either the Bengals are stupid and overpaying, which the Bengals never do. The Bengals Mm -hmm. never overpay. (laughs) Somebody else was already offering him at least something a little bit less than what the Bengals ended up paying him. Now we will never know whether or not that was the Ravens, but I think that the point still stands that for Bynes, those dollars matter. Um, and that for me, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about with these kind of handshake agreements. The same thing with Zedaria Smith. If you can do something that's going to be advantageous for your family and $150,000, when you're talking about it for the average NFL player, it doesn't seem like it's meaningful, but for any family anywhere in the, in the country, I think $150,000 could mean something. And if Biden thinks this is going to be his last year and someone's willing to give him that money. I don't think I just don't think that there's any I think there's no way that Bynes is not on this initial 53. OK. All right. I, th- I think there's a, there, there is a good chance it was another team would be my feeling after the fine 2019 that said, hey, Josh Bynes can not only come in and play this position if it's required. Uh, he could be a two down inside linebacker for us. There's more teams probably willing to consider players like that. Um, I, I just I, I think there would have been it's it's potential there were multiple low-level bidders for Bynes, and and the uh, and the Bengals were one of them. I think it's less likely that the Ravens are actually involved at that point. The other thing is, you know, we've seen Josh Bynes come back to the Ravens and basically say they're going to have to. I forget if he if I'm paraphrasing either way, but they're they're going to either have, they're going to have to kick me out of here or they're going to have to drag me out of here. One of it was was one of the two things indicating that he's going to sign for the vet minimum for as long as the Ravens were offering it. And and hopefully, you know, that's the case. You you know, you just. I, I, it's just one of those ones where the Ravens cannot afford, like it, it'd be like one of those things where if some other competitive team wanted to screw the Ravens and mm-hmm. make Bynes an offer that he couldn't refuse, like, like allowing that to be a potential is not ten, like uh, the inside linebacker, the, the Ravens need Josh Bynes on this team, uh, in my opinion, and they cannot risk letting him end up being somewhere else for whatever reason. It would be a competitive situation. So even if a team like Cleveland, which has a lot of cap space, said, OK, we don't want Josh Bynes in the team in this division. Let's offer him $1.75 million right now. See if we can lure him away from Baltimore. 
and then um, uh, you know we'll screw them in the process, and hey, we'll get a little bit of value out of it somehow. Maybe he's an on-field coach for us or an on-sideline coach for us. Uh, the Ravens would still have an opportunity to match that, and it would cost them you know six hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand or whatever it would be in terms of of cap cost. But it's it's not the end of the world. Cleveland has to completely outbid the Ravens to poison pillify uh, Josh Bynes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so let's. Uh, Zacoby McLean, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, but but I, I think he's going to have to be released and go through the waiver process. Uh, there's a possibility he somebody else says, "Hey, we're short an inside linebacker." I think more than likely there's there's too many guys out there who would fit somewhere ahead on the totem pole based on what McLean did this preseason. Very late entrant into the games, and I, I just don't think there's a taker for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Okay. Talk outside linebacker, or why don't you well, lead oh, this one? Well? Yeah, let's uh, just to wrap up inside linebacker. Yeah. I think that there's a chance that Christian Welsh is not on this initial 53. Um, and, and it depends on kind of, I think, the – you know, where all the roster spots end up shaking out, where the Ravens know or think that they have handshake deals of guys that could, could make their way through. But I've I've not been terribly impressed with Welsh. I know he had the multiple sacks in this game. The second the first of the two sacks in the third preseason game were was was kind of a joke to begin with. I, you know, I, I just haven't been terribly impressed with him. The Ravens special teams have not been terribly impressive in this preseason. And I think Ross has outplayed him for that spot in the totem pole. I think that the Ravens probably keep him around because of special teams related issues, but it just doesn't seem like a guy that another team is going to add to the, like he just doesn't strike me as a guy that another team is going to add to the roster at the same time with the way the Ravens have kept guys like Levine um, and Welsh in the past. I think, I think he's probably got the inside track, but I would, I would not be terribly disappointed if he was not on the initial 53. We, we have to go through with that and decide who else is there that replaces Welch. Welch, obviously, guy has to go through the waiver process. I would agree he probably doesn't get taken. I agree Ross is ahead of Welch in terms of, of what the team ought to think of him right now, who, who ought to be ahead based on what's happened this preseason. That said, Welch has gotten the starter treatment. Uh, Ross did in this last game. He also played till the end while Welch came out, which is usually an indicator he's ahead uh, but I thought Ross had a, you know, obviously had a terrific game. Welch's two and a half sacks, it's a lot of cleanup stuff and a lot of unblocked stuff, which isn't the same as, you know, beating a guy one-on-one. So I don't look at that as being a a, a big deal. Um, but but on the other hand, um, you know, he understands the Ravens system. Uh, Ross has not not been error-free this preseason either in terms of some of the things he'd done. I, I, I actually think it's a close call. How about Welch versus Mack? Who are you more excited to have on your team of those two? I mean, given Jones's injury, um, Mack definitively for me. Okay. Um, and and same with like a guy like Ardarius Washington. Like if, if that's going to put a guy like Ardarius Washington spot at risk, I, I would much rather have Washington than Welch. Okay, so we'll continue on. But you then have four inside linebackers then, not five? Four. That's right. Okay. And so you have Welch not making it. So that's the first difference we've had so far. I'd like to see where the other player is. And on defensive line, you still had five to start the season. That's right. Okay. Let's move on to outside linebacker here. Uh, I have four outside linebackers making the team. And I think I understand the rules correctly, but I may not. So my four are Dalen Hayes, Justin Houston, David Ajabo, and Adafi Owe. Yeah. So, so, and I've got, I've got five here. I've got means making mm-hmm. the 53 um, for similar reasons why I feel like the Ravens can't risk Josh Bynes getting away as well. 
that okay. the Ravens cannot afford to let Steve Means not be on the roster in week one. I, I agree that they need Stephen Means. I just think it, there's an ocean full of outside linebackers of Stephen Means' approximate ability who are going to come available before Tuesday or on Tuesday afternoon at the latest who they can then pick and choose from. It'll include some vets who have the ability to sign anywhere. Uh, Stephen Means, to me, is an ideal handshake guy uh, to get a guy like Ajabo to NFI, and I believe that has to be done in two steps, that they have to actually have Ajabo make the team and then be assigned to NFI. That's right. So that, and that's why I, and means really, you know, the way I, I kind of took my notes here was means with a parenthetical of some outside linebacker being mm-hmm. in that spot on kind of that initial 53 wave. And so I think you're right that it could be another veteran. Like uh, this could be one of those instances where the Ravens had Jason Pierre Paul and maybe he's a guy that they bring in. Maybe it's somebody else. But um, I think there are going to be five outside linebackers with a job of needing to be on that initial 53. Um that are on this roster. And so maybe it's not Steve Means specifically, but I think it's going to be somebody. Okay, well, but th- that opens up the door, doesn't it, for somebody to be brought in after cut day and before week one as a guy who doesn't impact your initial 53 roster. So you still have the ability to make Steven Means a handshake deal, get a job onto the roster, then onto NFI. And then you are a free agent. The team is a free agent in terms of signing Stephen Means or getting anyone else in the NFL. And I think, I think that's really the situation is that Means could be the odd man out and his handshake deal is more like a conditional handshake deal while everybody else has a firm handshake deal. Um, I, think I, I think I follow you. And then, and then if that's the iteration, then I would agree that that opens that spot, spot up for Means there. Okay. So are you changing it and going with going with Four outside linebackers instead of five? I, you know what? I'm not able to make notes on my full list of, of guys here and the different okay. iterations without Welsh, but probably then. I, I would probably okay. want to open that, that roster spot up. And you, you would switch, keep Welsh, leave, uh, have means be a, a conditional handshake deal that way. That's right. But I, you know what? I think I need that spot actually... If I'm counting correctly, maybe my maybe my numbers in this Excel sheet that I'm looking at are wrong. Yeah. I think I need that. I think I need Welsh wouldn't come back. I need that spot for a different corner. Okay, well let's let's talk through it because I I I found room to keep seven corners, even as it was. And so where was our where is our difference then? Well, I have I can tell you how many I have. I have five on the DL, five inside linebackers, four outside linebackers for fourteen. And oh, then, you know what? I had I had Davis in, and you have Davis out. Okay. Okay, so you have only twenty four on offense. That's no, I have twenty five on offense. You only have don't, you had Davis out, right? I had Davis out, but I had an, I had Justice Hill on. Yeah, I've got Dobbins, Hill, Beatty, and Davis at running back plus plus Ricard. Okay, so you had Davis on your fifty on your twenty five. Yeah. Okay, and I didn't. So you must have twenty six offensive players. That's right. That must be right. Okay. All right. Now I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to count as we're saying it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No problem. Uh, so let's move on to corner. Obviously, I, I'm very concerned about the outside linebacker situation, and uh, I need to get you for a concerns uh, podcast. But somebody's already else has already claimed outside linebacker, uh, Dalen, and I know you can do any of them, but Dalen Hayes. Uh, at Sam linebacker going into the season is one of the biggest unknowns the Ravens have, and and they're going to need him to play a lot. 
Yeah, it, you know, uh, the only it, 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 it it's going to be really I mean, this all feeds into the defensive line piece. It also feeds into the safe. Like, you know, and we haven't talked about safety yet, but it feeds into how the safeties are going to be utilized. I mean, we have just not, you know, with Hamilton not playing on and getting that starter treatment um, for what that's going to look like, like how some of those personnel decisions could cascade down the way. And so does that let a guy like and I don't want to see Harrison playing the Sam because I think that. I think his past 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 prevention abilities are are quite terrible. But it, are, are there opportunities to, for the Ravens to get creative from some of those snaps and in different ways from when that that player isn't rushing um, mm-hmm. to take off that spot? Can can they change the utilization rates in a way that it, it potentially could make it mean less if he's not if Hayes isn't effective? Yeah, that's a good point. And this may even be a case where somebody like Calais Campbell can play uh, on a four man front can play edge. And then, uh, you know, on a passing down and you only really use one outside linebacker on that play. And you make up for that by having your inside linebackers both replaced by safeties instead of just playing dime, you're playing quarter. And, you know, then you've got a lot of uh, ability to cover that you're not having to try and cover for by dropping Bowser to cover, for example, if, if you're talking about last year's uh, right. being yeah. And the the mix of then potentially if like that's what you're going to ask of Campbell, then I think that our discussion earlier about Urban locks his spot in to be active as well because they're going to need to create rest in other situations potentially for Campbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is one of the things I think Urban can still give the Ravens is a pretty damn high snap percentage. That was one of his big things when he was here before, is that he was able to 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 be there and be out there for a lot of snaps. Let's uh, let's move on to cornerback, and this is an interesting position. I I have seven here, and it sounds like you do too from your from your comments. So I'll just read off my names: is Jalen Armour Davis, Kyle Fuller, Brandon Stevens, Peppy Williams, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and Ardarius Washington. I see them all making the team. The Ravens have there is precedent for them taking seven cornerbacks before uh, and eleven defensive backs. I think this uh, makes the most sense to me because I, I think Ardarius Washington is the slot backup. Uh, is head and shoulders above anybody else they have behind Pepe Williams. Yeah, I, I've been really impressed with Ardarius Washington since he's come back, and the you know the quickness of his effectiveness um, coming off of injury just says that there's potential physical upside from Washington there as well. And I thought he's I think he's just played really well, and it's not it's one of those instances where it's not worth the risk for the Ravens who have always seemed to be short a corner in a big moment in a certain time. Just, you know, I, I think it's just impossible for them to let him get away. Second year player too. I mean, he, other, other teams will see that upside of a guy who they can get for a waiver claim put on their roster. And, and he, he looks like a, a an ideal candidate to, to do that with. Uh, Kayvon Seymour, kind of a difficult case, obviously, Terrible situation for him personally, but I, I guess he probably gets waived by an injury settlement. I don't know how serious any injury yet. I don't know if any information has come out today about it being season ending or anything. But um, if if it is not, if it's a the kind of sprain where he might come back after half a season, I definitely would not rule out the possibility that he plays at some point for the Ravens this year. Jeez, <laughs> gosh, I, I hope not. I, yeah. I not 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 you know that is not a knock on Seymour, um, but you know if these are the seven guys that are in front of him, that would that would that would spell a not ideal scenario for whatever has happened from an injury perspective at corner for the Ravens. I, I think we can basically fairly state though that 
every single corner on this roster, with two exceptions, has some sort of significant possibility of not being effective. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll take the devil's advocate on this. Jalen Armour Davis has almost no experience, pro or college. He didn't play this entire preseason. And while I love his tools, he might really not be effective. Kyle Fuller is an old man who got benched twice last year by the Broncos. Enough said. Okay. Brandon Stevens has been very ineffective. He hasn't, I mean, he could have stepped up this preseason and claimed a job on either the outside or, or, or said, you know, Tony Jefferson, we don't need you because I'm the safety that's, that's number five here. Uh, that didn't happen in either case. Uh, Pepe Williams, I believe, is the number one slot corner. There's no question about him. Marcus Peters, we don't know who he is right now. He is just coming back. He hasn't played in forever. Uh, let's let's see who he is before we say, you know, we're, we're all fine in the secondary. That's been part of my problem all along. Marlon Humphrey better be okay or we're, not, we're in a lot of trouble. And Artarius Washington, while I like him, uh, you know, he's a slot corner who came out with 462 speed, and he's he's our backup guy to a, a fourth-round rookie. It's it's He's a good player. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, he's certainly one of the top seven cornerbacks, and I think they should keep him. But I have fears about his ability to be productive still. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think all of those are potentially reasonable in terms of what the expectations look like. You would, you would have to see a pretty big failure of performance or recovery of injury or new injuries though mm-hmm. to still get down to that eighth spot yes sir so, so knock on wood <laughs> knock on wood we're we're just talking about this because it's something to, to talk about and it's not something that we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about when it gets to <laughs> you you're a fairly optimistic guy honestly so am i but when it comes to talking about the ravens i am a worry ward i really are i'm just always concerned about what's the next problem to come up it's like the the difference between being a helicopter pilot and a fixed wing pilot if you're a helicopter pilot you're worrying about what's going gonna go wrong if you're a fixed wing pilot you're you're (laughs) you're a fly boy so anyway uh let's move on to safety here we had the same guys at corner so safety uh i have the the, the, probably the same four guys you have marcus williams chuck clark kyle hamilton geno stone making the roster tony jefferson cut and he walks out to midfield as the special teams captain in week one anyway (laughs) i mean yeah it'll be i think it'll be interesting to see I, i think tony Jefferson is, I, I and I have to kind of take a look at a, a little bit more closely at who has played these special team reps, and I think that's the fascinating part of where this all comes down. But um, I mean, I just you know I, I would hope that we don't see a lot of reps from Tony Jefferson in real time or or on defense um, in this iteration. And so like you're talking about a guy who's taking up a roster spot exclusively for special teams because I, I I would imagine or my preference would be the whatever defensive snaps that um tony jefferson was taking i would much rather see geno stone take okay so the 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 question is who do you put on the field if you want to put four safeties on at once and i I admit that's a very niche role potentially but on a team that doesn't have a lot of talent in terms of coverage from inside linebacker it might be one that mcdonald uses more frequently than ravens teams have in the past the, the, the two teams used it a lot. The 2000 Ravens played it 62 times, including the Super Bowl, 55 times during the regular season. The 1996 Ravens used it 116 times when Ray Lewis was a rookie. They took Ray Lewis off the field for Benny Thompson. <laughs> if you, if, if you want to look at this team and you say, what really makes sense? The thing about our roster predictions that kind of don't make sense is we've got 10 guys between inside linebacker and safety making this team. And those guys compete for playing time. 
tremendously. The other team, the other group they compete with is corners because the big nickel is going to is going to take away some slot corner snaps. Um, I, I still think it's probably the right way to go. But I think there are a lot of other people out there who'd say the Ravens need one more defensive lineman. You, you're, you're assigning extra positions everywhere else but there. Yeah, I, I and I, I tend to agree. And look, like Tony Jefferson's history as a coverage guy, as a Raven is not a good one. And and that is not contingent on health. Tony Jefferson was terrible as in passing situations um, as that guy with the Ravens before, which is part of, you know, it was part contributed to his departure with the team. So that's why I say, you know, in those instances where I'm putting four safeties on the field, Stone is the guy that I'm putting on the field ahead of Jefferson still. Uh, that's, I mean, then you're probably moving Kyle Hamilton and Chuck Clark both up into the box to, to play those positions. Yeah. And, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and I think that that could be really effective as well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with it, by the way. Um, and a Hamilton, they can move all over. And Clark is the very natural dime back um, when all three are on the field. And Geno Stone, hey, the guy is a born leader. You see that out there on the field, whether it's the special teams talking to Seymour after it or the way he got after Zacoby McLean on the blown coverage on that uh, one plus 17 play on the left sideline in this last game. I, I, I guess who made the tackle? Worley made the tackle, but had to come off his man to do it. But then, you know, Stone was right up in his face immediately talking about how he blown the coverage, basically. And, and he was uh, it, it's just he just very naturally takes care of other people's business as well. And Bynes and Fort... Both came in as guys who could do that. Ed Reed, of course, was a guy who could do that. Chuck Clark is a guy who does do that. Um, they, they just Those guys have a lot of value. And having Geno Stone on the back end, I think, uh, of four safety packages would be very intriguing. Forgetting the fact that, hey, he gives you the fourth guy if you lose anybody for your three safety packages. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think to your to the point that you had made right before we were kind of talking a little bit more specifically about Jefferson or who the fourth safety would be is that if it's if it's a defensive lineman over Jefferson or Welsh for me, I'm going to have I'm going to have no problems with that iteration, you know, heading mm -hmm. into week one. You you're so you're going to scan other teams cuts for a defensive lineman potentially because or, or, or bring or hope to wave Mac and bring him back. Um that he makes his way through. I, I, I doubt he ends up getting claimed, um, but who knows? Cause he has flashed a little bit in the preseason and we saw Zach Seiler be a guy that the Ravens thought they could get through when he flashed in the preseason and, and he didn't make it and has been effective in, in Miami. Right. He, he had more option value than Mac has. So, so there's a, there's a probably a little bit more risk, obviously. All right. Well, that's, uh, uh, that's it. So we end up with, do we end up with any differences? Because I, I heard you go back a little bit forth, but are you going with five inside linebackers then, including Christian Welch, or are well, you? I, yeah, I, I would go. I had Davis over Welch. I think that okay. was our, our essential difference, and so I could I could be persuaded that that Welch has enough special teams value, and it, really that's where it comes down to. I mean, and and I, I alluded to this as we talked about it earlier, but the Ravens' special teams coverage was concerning in the preseason, yes. which is not typical of this Ravens team. Um, and I'm, a, you know, I, I think the Ravens will clean it up because they're always better in special teams than, than most others. But it is concerning. So with regard to that, a, a lot of that's on kickoffs, right? Not punts, because the punts, particularly Stout in the second game, which is the only really important evidence we have, was three fantastic punts not returned. 
Okay. And I, if, if we're talking about the kickoff, so that's been different. And I'm afraid that Stout is, is using a method that may be reducing hang time. Now, he didn't kick in this third game, which is kind of unfortunate. We saw all the, all, Dicker take all the kicks. Um, but I didn't really get a chance live to watch him for hang time on this three by two and really get a sense of, you know, what's he, what's he, how, how long is that ball up there because he's taking the short controlled approach to maybe get the ball exactly where he wants it? Yeah, it, it's, you know, and you can, you can just out kick, you know, the Ravens have the kicker strength to just kick it out, of, like just take the touchback every time and don't worry about it. And maybe that signals, you know, if you trust out in those situations, that signals a big change. But, you know, the other thing is that you can't just rule, you can't just assume that every single punt that South makes is going to be an unreturnable punt. And if you're, you know, I think that's too risky. And if you're not ready for it and there's a big return and a big moment in a close game, um, if it's showing up on kick coverage on kickoffs, then it could show up at the worst possible times if we're, if we're being worry warts, yeah. uh, you know, in the punting situation too. Valid point. It's a lot of the same players and, and it's, it's a lot of the same types of lane maintenance that's got to be observed. There are some differences obviously, but, but uh, they also, I think the, the special special teams unit on the punt, because there's a bunch of defensive guys lined up at the line of scrimmage, you have more of a chance to have your your gunners inside, outside, and 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 uh, sorry, your inside, outside, and wings. All five of those guys have a greater impact on coverage on the play. So hopefully they they will uh, find a way to be effective at that. Outstanding time doing this with you. I, 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 I think we understand the difference is Welch for Davis between our two rosters. That is uh, cool. And, uh, and I'm interested to see how this plays out. I'm really fascinated to, to see what the Ravens do in terms of moves. Let me give you one other question. Let's assume we get the 50 we expect out here, the 53 we expect from this show. How many moves would you over under the Ravens for making between the the projected 53 after IR moves and the regular season, meaning what other... So, so Stephen Means could be gone for a different outside linebacker, for example. Or they might decide they tr- wanted to trade Tyler Huntley and bring Anthony Brown back as the... So, uh, right, so outside of like who you would bring back for a Jabo yeah. and Kolar. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I would, I would say I'd be surprised if it was more than one i think i would put the over under at two even not not even 1.5 but i think i think there will be additional moves i think they they're not necessarily happy with everybody having the roster it could be it could be a running back that they that they go out and get i mean justice hill special teams value but if they have a stylistic fit they like at running back who's a first year player they're going to jump on that uh, given who who's you know on this roster right now, yeah. All right, well, listen, fascinating always. Love talking football with you as always, Jordan. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work. Yeah, uh, on Twitter at Raven Sit Room. Uh, we do the Situation Room podcast. We'll be getting up every week with uh, my co-host Gabe Ferguson. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. Check us out. You know, we're trying to break down the games on on Sunday nights or right at the same day the Ravens play and talk a little bit about some of the impact plays that we've seen in the game. By the way, two great friends of the show and two great follows on Twitter. 
you know, I, a lot of people follow me, but it, it, there, there's uh, no reason at all why anybody who's following me shouldn't be following these two guys. So one more time, it's at Gabe Fergie. Is Gabe Ferguson? He's on the show a lot, and Jordan is at Ravens Sit Room. Ravens S I T Room. So if if, if we, once you get Ravens S, you're usually down to Ravens Salary Cap and Ravens Sit Room. Both good follows. <laughs> Make sure you get them. Uh, Anyway, thanks a lot for coming on. Other folks uh, who are out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up real quickly. In particular, if you'd like to do a concerns episode with me, hit me up with your idea, especially if it's not simply a position group. Love to hear from you about that. I'll get back to you very quickly because these shows all have to be taped in the next few days and they'll all be aired before the season opener, obviously, or they're no longer of any real use. Uh, Jordan, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Stuff. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.